When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all, looking to bring it open. He's got it! Lazard! Gonna go! Touchdown! Rodgers snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon! Allen has time. Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it, breaking away. Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to talk about the legacy of Darrell Revis and Joe Klecko, the two best defensive players in Jets history who just got honored simultaneously Hall of Fame weekend going in together in Canton. It took Joe Klecko a long time to get in. Darrell Revis, thankfully, a first ballot Hall of Famer. And so to talk about it, nobody better than the man who's covered the Jets in different capacities for just about 30 years, the first half of that 30 years for the Bergen record, and now for the New York Jets website, NewYorkJets.com. One of my favorite Jets beat reporters of all time, Mr. Randy Lang. Randy, thanks for coming back on the show, sir. Scott, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it, and it's a great day for Jets fans everywhere, isn't it? Sure is, especially for Joe Klecko. I want to get into Darrell Revis in a bit, but he didn't have to wait as long. Joe Klecko started off his Hall of Fame speech by saying that he'd had that speech in a drawer for 30 years. He waited a long time for this moment. Let's begin by talking about that wait. It's crazy to me that it took Joe Klecko this long to get in. Yeah, hey, you know, it's um, anybody who understands the Hall of Fame process could probably see how these kinds of uh, some people think they're injustices others just say well he fell through the cracks uh for whatever reason joe klecko was not considered i I, he was not even a finalist until this year so he he was available he was eligible to be inducted uh from the end of his uh, five years after the end of his career in 88 i believe it was with indy and uh, so that's 93 so you're talking 30 years he was eligible um, the first 20 of which as a modern era player and the last 10 of which as a senior uh, candidate. And the whole, the meaning, the the voters, uh, I think there's about 48 or 50 voters now, uh, one for each NFL team and a bunch of uh, at-large voters. And they've all watched football. They, they all hear the arguments. They're all there at the, you know, the days before the Super Bowl when um, the debates go on for that year's class and joe just never got the following he got never got the push although there were so many players ex-players uh former players players who are in the hall of fame joe delamalure being probably the primary one from buffalo um 
who said Joe's got to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, he was he was as tough as Mean Joe Green and Merlin Olson, and those guys are in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, this is something that, that they need to address. Well, they eventually got to address it. It took, uh, I think, the, the 2020 uh, ballot uh, included the, I don't know if it was 20 members, uh, but it was a large number of seniors who were given that one year to be part of the ballot uh, so that the NFL, actually the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it's not the NFL that conducts this, uh, but the Pro Football Hall of Fame could finally address uh, a large number of seniors who had been overlooked over the years. Joe was not even in that class. Uh, But finally, this past, I think it was November or uh, no, maybe it was, uh, I'm trying to think, the, the seniors get voted on in, in uh, August, late August or uh, mid-August, uh, right before the um, uh, the modern era players are determined for the, the final 15. But the thing with the, st- the seniors is if you get voted in by that special group of uh, voters in um, early to mid-August, you don't have to go through that 15 process. You don't have to clear the hurdles that the modern era players have to clear. You are on the final ballot. Uh, so if there's five finalists at the end of the, the process, you're, you could be number six or number seven. They can, they can put in one or two Hall of Fame, uh, uh, one or two senior candidates every year. And Joe finally got that bid. And if you get that call as a senior finalist, uh, I think 95% of those players who've gotten that call get into the Hall of Fame that year. So there, there was probably not going to be any more waiting for Joe. Um, but, you know, whatever Joe's true feelings are, he didn't let it show. Uh, you know, he was, you know, he was good about it. I mean, you know, he did say, yeah, you know, I, I figured, I think the one analogy he used was, you know, I used to drive trucks, <laughs> big rigs. Uh, before he went into uh, even got into semi-pro ball and t- into Temple, and he said, you know, I, I was used to, um, you know, uh, n- not counting on on being paid unless the check was in the bank. That was the phrase he used. And finally, he said the check was in the bank this year. And so every year he just hung in there. He did not let it um, outwardly affect him. His family was behind him the whole way. The Jets organization was behind him. I know that personally. Uh, we did whatever we could do. And then a special thanks to Gary Myers, the former Daily News uh, football columnist who still is on the selection committee um, for the Hall, who pushed for all the Jets every year. He's the Jets representative, the mouthpiece um, on the uh, selection committee. And he pushed for for Joe Klecko and, of course, Darrell Rivas, who didn't need quite as much of a push. Uh, but... Um, you know, Winston Hill in 2020, Kevin Moy in 19. The, the Jets have had a good run of um, players making the Hall of Fame uh, in the last five years. I think they've uh, had five different players, and Gary has been a part of that too. So special tip of the hat to uh, Gary Myers. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Randy, for those that are not familiar with Joe Klecko's career, can you help make the case for why he should have been in so long ago? A brilliant career, but I think some people will look at the stats and not really understand the depth of how good he was. Sure. Uh, you know, I, 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 this seems too simple to state it uh, this way, that this was a reason. Uh, but Joe Klecko has... Um, only uh what is it 24 sacks for his career 
Uh, I'm trying to find that number. Mm -hmm. um, he had he had 54 before 1982, and then he had 20.5 20.5 of those sacks came in 81, which didn't count to his official record, although it led the league and uh, is still the Jets record. Um, but um, you know the the uh, 78 number uh, is his total unofficially for his career, and this is a number that uh, the Jets have kept. Um, and they kept track of Jets sa of Joe's sacks um, every year up until the league. And Elias Sports Bureau took it over in '82. And uh, I also want to uh, give credit to ProFootballReference.com, which does a uh, just a phenomenal job of uh, you know uh, culling all of the stats from everywhere and even engaging in some things that are unofficial, such as they determined to a certain degree the unofficial official sacks of every player in the NFL and the AFL from 1960 to 1981. So if you want to find the unofficial official stats, uh, sack totals for your favorite player, you know, like a Fred Dean or, you know, an Al Green or, you know, any of these guys that uh, never got credit, you can go to Pro Football Reference. But uh, I would hope that all of the um, uh, voters – or, or most of them who didn't vote for Joe to become even a finalist were not looking at the official sack totals because that does not tell the story of his career. He came in in 77, uh, I believe it was, sixth-round pick, finally uh, got to the pros after his long uh, journey in the wilderness because no college wanted to give him a scholarship. Um, he was, he was a, a very good player out of Chester, Pennsylvania, but didn't have that pedigree. And um, so no colleges came knocking. And like I said, he went out and started to drive trucks. He became a boxer. <laughs> um, and I don't mean a boxer on trucks. I mean a, box, a pugilist and, uh, and engaged in that uh, to, uh, to, to uh, get his energies uh, going if he wasn't going to play football. And uh, then finally, um, you know, he went to play for the Aston Knights, which is a uh, semi-pro team in southern southeastern pennsylvania near philly and um that's where the temple people uh scouted him and saw him and said to the then coach wayne harden uh hey you know this guy joe klecko he's pretty good let's see if he's got eligibility let's get him on the team and so joe finally did get to temple had an outstanding career uh became the sixth sixth round choice of the jets and then just every year grew in leaps and bounds he was always strong he was always a smart guy. He was always ruthless and decisive and, um, you know, all of those great things that you need in a, a defensive lineman. Um, and as soon as he got teamed up with the rest of the sack exchange, Marty Lyons, uh, who presented him at uh, Canton yesterday, and uh, Abdul Salam and, of course, Mark Gastineau at left end, uh, that was the sack exchange that set the Jets' franchise record that still stands, 66 sacks in a season and uh they they uh, got to 66 with nine sacks of lynn dickey in the final regular season game in 1981 <laughs> dickey didn't know what was going on uh and uh the the jets just kept it coming from there the, the sack exchange didn't last long enough it was it was too short uh just maybe two or three years was what you consider their heyday but they got it done 
in 81. In 82, they were a big part of the Jets getting all the way to the AFC title game before they lost in Miami, of course, in the Mud Bowl. Uh, and then maybe a few more years. And, and then, of course, Abdul went away. Mark Astineau hung in there a little bit. Marty Lyons retired. Uh, Joe was injured at the end of his career, moved on after 87 to the Colts. And, you know, it just it, – eras in football never last long enough um, if you're a fan and probably if you're a player. Mm -hmm. But um, that was Joe's era, and Joe made the most of it, and he never wanted to take credit for himself. And that's another uh, great uh, trait that he had that he showed – in his speech yesterday, he wanted to thank everybody. Um, and, and he did thank a large number of people. And he never wanted to say, I did this on my own. I built myself up. That wasn't Joe. So um, all of these things coming together, uh, it's just a feel-good story, not only for the Jets fans who were there in large numbers uh, at Thomas uh, Benson Pro uh, Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, uh, right next to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, but for, for everybody who loves football around the country, loves great defensive line play, Joe Klecko is certainly a deserving uh, honoree and shriney. And uh, it's been a long time coming. And thank goodness for that. And, and uh, God bless Joe and uh, the Jets fans of that era. Randy, Joe Klecko, one of only three players in the Pro Football Hall of Fame now to have played three positions at an all-pro level, Dan Hampton from the Chicago Bears and Frank Gifford from the New York Giants, the other two. The other guy who got into the Hall of Fame for the Jets, though, Darrell Revis, only played one position because he was so great at that one position, they were never going to even try him anywhere else. You know how sometimes guys at the end of their career, like Rod Woodson, they moved to safety. That never happened with Darrell Revis. Shut down corner from day one. This is a guy who had roots in Aliquippa. As he said, his hometown produces legends. Ty Law, Tony Dorsett, Mike Ditka, Darrell Revis, all Aliquippa products. And, of course, we know that within the family was an outstanding player. Sean Gilbert, who he referred to as Uncle Sean, his uncle, was an outstanding defensive lineman, an all-pro in his time playing in the NFL. So Darrell Revis winds up in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. It's funny, Randy, because I remember when Rex Ryan first came in in 2009 and Darrell Revis mentioned this in his Hall of Fame speech. He said, we've got the best corner in the NFL, Darrell Revis. And don't get me wrong, I thought Revis was pretty good, but I'd never really thought of him that way. I thought he was good, but I never thought he was better than, say, Namdi Asamoa. I never thought that he was the best corner in the league, but that year in 2009 was a historic year, and that was the year that it seemed to me that Darrell Revis was determined to live up to what Rex Ryan had said about him. An incredible career for Revis, as he said, though, sort of surreal that his one Super Bowl was won during his one season with the hated rival New England Patriots, although you want to talk about the ultimate compliment, Randy. We know that Bill Belichick said that there's never been a player that he's ever game-planned against harder than Darrell Revis. Never been a player that he instructed his players to stay away from more than Darrell Revis. And we know that Bill Belichick doesn't just hand out compliments like that. He's not going to just say that. That's something he truly meant, which, as we saw with Darrell Revis when the Hall of Fame game was going on, really choked him up because he truly appreciated the praise from arguably the greatest coach of all time. So, Randy, unlike Joe Klecko, Darrell Revis did not have to wait a long time to get in. He gets in on the first ballot, but well-deserved. Talk about his journey 
and the case for Revis as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Darrell said, you know, Rex Ryan said that I was the best corner in the league in the game. Uh, I hadn't played a game for him yet. <laughs> and that was back in 2009. And uh, and here's Rex telling everybody, including his opponents uh, and Revis's opponents, uh, this guy is a shutdown corner who's who you've never seen before. <laughs> He's going to take care of business. And and yet, I mean, even though that was pressure, and, and Darrell had a line yesterday about, I think it was mostly about the fans, but he said there was a lot of pressure, but there was a lot of love. And he uh, he had a lot of pressure on him, but he loved to respond to that pressure. And he always had been like that, uh, although he, he didn't get that reputation maybe coming out of Pittsburgh as being the top, uh, you know, shutdown corner of his generation. Uh, he was very good, as you said. Um, but going on behind the scenes, which only, uh, you know, not everybody knows, not the not the majority of the fans, but the family knows and the coaches know and his teammates know, Darrell Rivas was driven. He was driven to be, he said he did not want to be a great cornerback. He wanted to be dominant. And this was back in, uh, I believe, in college, or maybe it was early in his pro career. But he already had a vision for himself of, here's what I want to be. I want to be dominant. I don't want to be just another ham and egger out there, maybe making a a play every once in a while, once a game, and then other guys making plays on me. Uh, he, He knew from the beginning that that was where he was was uh, headed. And um, I thought he told an interesting anecdote about um, training uh, while he was a pro uh, in Arizona in the offseason. And he had that Camelback Mountain uh, anecdote where he, he said, you know, in, in Arizona, that that's a dangerous mountain. That's a killer mountain. You, you look up there and you say, I'm going to run that thing? Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Uh, but then then the competitor in you says, yeah, you're going to get to the top and you're going to look good doing it and you're going to prove that you can do it. And so Camelback Mountain became kind of a, I wouldn't say a white whale for uh, Durrell because he already was at that level. But it was a constant reminder to him that I need to comp- conquer this mountaintop so uh, you know I can continue my path forward as being one of the most dominant corners of my generation if not in the history of the NFL. So in 2007, he was drafted, and I think Jets fans loved him then, but they, they didn't know exactly what they had, just like you said. Uh, 2008 which was the Brett Favre year, and then 2009, my goodness, what a season. The, that arguably is the best season by a cornerback in, in, in uh, NFL history. I mean, he shut down Randy Moss. He shut down... Uh, Terrell Owens, you know, Chad Ochocinco, uh, you know, uh, Steve Smith. I mean, these, nobody had more than 35 receiving yards in a game against him. And um, the other thing that, that happened that year and then on for probably the rest of his career is he never got the, his due maybe in season because his numbers were low. Uh, he only ended up with 29 career interceptions plus three more in the playoffs. Uh, I believe 25 of them came as a Jet cornerback. That's not a lot of interceptions, and certainly not close to the the franchise record. Uh, but it didn't have to be, because as Belichick said, as Brady, Tom Brady has said, uh, you know, as others uh, who've gone against him have grudgingly acknowledged, th- there was no point in throwing this way unless maybe you're going to, you know, n- you know, get five yards, because as we said, he gave up 35 yards to the top receivers in the game every game 
Um, so they stopped throwing his way. And uh, he made it a 10 on 10 game. I heard that phrase uh, several times yesterday. Uh, the Jets did not have to worry about 11th, the 11th man against the 11th man because that man was on Darrell Revis Island. So, uh, you know, Darrell's career uh, hit a bump in 2012 when he um, uh, tore up his knee, I believe it was, and um, played only, I think, two games. I was at that Miami game when he heard it. And, um, you know, he was um, going the next year to uh, Tampa and then to New England for that Super Bowl run. And one year each, one and done. And then he was back with the Jets for two more seasons in 2015 and 16. Not quite the dominant player he was when he was first in green and white. But 2015 wasn't too bad. I mean, he had nine takeaways, five interceptions, four fumble recoveries. The ball always seemed to come to him. And that was another special trait that he has and the best defenders, no matter what the position, have, which is, can you get the ball out? Can you can you get the ball to, back to your offense? Because if you can do that on a regular basis, you are special. You could be a Hall of Famer. And even though Darrell's career ended up in Kansas City, uh, kind of a lackluster last season, did not hurt him in the slightest. Because what he was in 2009, 10, 11, um, was so fine that he virtually ensured himself of being the first all-time, the first first ballot Jet who played his primary uh, career as a Jet. Uh, there are others who have been first-timers who played with the Jets, uh, but they didn't start there. They were not considered to be Jets. This is Darrell Rivas, and he thanked the Jets and uh, Rex Ryan was one thank uh, one he one player uh, one coach he thanked uh, he thanked his teammates he thanked his family uh, his uncle as you mentioned and um, and he thanked the fans because he said they drove him on um, you know they they made him they didn't let up uh, and he had to uh, prove to them that he was worthy of their acknowledgement and at the end I mean I I was surprised that he even said uh, fireman ed are you there let's lead a <laughs> chant you know <laughs> and, uh and, and the, there were a bunch of guys in the uh, crowd who uh, started a spontaneous revis island you know? <laughs> and, and they say hey, he feels like metlife stadium here that's crazy uh but that's what it was like yesterday for revis and for joe klecko and for uh, you know certainly the the stadium was not um you know all jet fans but there was a good number of them there to celebrate uh, the long road that Joe Klecko took and, and the shorter road that Darrell Rivas took to become Hall of Famers. Randy, as somebody who's covered the Jets for about 30 years, talk a little bit about what these two men getting into the Hall of Fame means for both of their legacies, for the legacy of the franchise, and for the legacy of the fans who really wanted to see this happen a lot of the older fans were really pushing for Klecko for a long time, and the younger fans, Darrell Revis, to them, is the most dominant Jet they've ever seen. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Klecko has never had to um, wait for his uh, acknowledgement by the Jets or the Jets fans. Uh, he was the uh, first ballot uh, inaugural class of 2010 selected for the Jets' Ring of Honor. Uh, you know, the organization knew what he meant to them, and uh, so did um, the fans, and so did his teammates, because even though he never wanted to take credit for himself, guys like Marty Lyons, uh, you know, very uh, solid quote yesterday about, you know, 
Joe, someday you're going to be in the Hall of Fame, and that day is today, <laughs> you know, is what he told him uh, a few years back. And uh, that day was yesterday, and uh, Marty Lyons presented him to the fans and to the, the football world. So, I mean, Joe is cemented in, in their minds, um, and I think it's good that the rest of the NFL, uh, who pays attention to the Hall of Fame and so on, gets to see that Joe Klecko, yeah, he's he's there. He's in the uh, the list. His bust is in the bust room in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he must have been pretty good. I want to look him up and check him out. And then, of course, hopefully they'll mention that he had the 75 sacks instead of the 25 <laughs> or 24. Um, but, you know, Revis, um, I don't know, made – I just – I think he was always accepted by the league as being one of the best. I mean, I like you said, it, it wasn't something that it seemed like that was his destiny in 2007 when he was drafted, but he showed very quickly that – man, this guy is something we haven't seen. I mean, you know, the Revis Island metaphor was so perfect. You know, uh, top wide receivers went to visit Revis Island. They were never heard from the rest of the game. <laughs> and um, so, I mean, I, I think the the uh, history for them and, and the, the legacy is secure. But what I think this does help is the current crop of Jets uh, who are trying to build their own Hall of Famers, whoever they might be. And and now have a Hall of Famer at quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, you know, Aaron certainly has helped to change this culture amazingly. I mean, I couldn't believe how good he has been um, at practices and in meetings and anecdotes, the way, you know, things he he uh, does to help his players out, his teammates, his, not only his offensive guys, but his defensive teammates uh, to help get them ready to, to face something that he's going to throw at them. And, um you know, the, the, the optimism is very high for the Jets this year. And the the Canton um, uh, gathering yesterday kind of just tells everybody, wow, this could be the Jets' year. Everything's falling our way. But, of course, there's there are other Jet fans who say, hey, listen, we don't want to win the offseason anymore. We've done that before. What happened then? We didn't win the regular season. We didn't get to the playoffs or the Super Bowl. We haven't been to a Super Bowl since 1969, January 12th, Orange Bowl, that glorious day with Joe Namath and, and the Jets uh, from the 68 season taking care of business against the Baltimore Colts. The Jets need a a bookend, or hopefully not a bookend, but something to uh, you know tie them over to the third Super Bowl, but they need that second Super Bowl. It's got to happen soon. And that was kind of the idea, bring in an Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, bring in all these other new guys, sign uh, Quinnen Williams, uh, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson. I mean, you know, just the elements are there for the Jets to have a very good season. But in the NFL, nothing is promised, nothing is guaranteed. So at least right now they're going in with a full head of steam, not just the current group, but the group knowing that we've got a bit of a, you know, a history to uphold with Klecko and, and uh, Revis. And now it's time for us to go make our own history. Randy, unfortunately, Joe Klecko and Terrell Revis did not win Super Bowls with the New York Jets. Joe Klecko's son, Dan, has three Super Bowl rings, as he referenced in his Hall of Fame speech. Terrell Revis won his Super Bowl ring with the New England Patriots 
we're hoping that the current crop of Jets players can deliver that second Super Bowl, as you just mentioned. Aaron Rodgers clearly going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. Will he go in with the Jets Super Bowl ring in addition to the one that he has with the Green Bay Packers? And some of the younger players now, like Quentin Williams, like Sauce Gardner, like Garrett Wilson, all of those guys have been elite so far. Can they continue that and eventually follow Darrell Revis and Joe Klecko into the Hall of Fame? Going to be very interesting to watch. Really glad that you could come on, though, Randy, and talk about the Jets' past as a bridge right now to the present and the future that we're about to see here with this team. Everybody really excited about it. Excited about seeing Joe Klecko and Darrell Revis honored as well. With Klecko long overdue, with Revis, glad to see that it happened on the first ballot. Randy Lang, who covers the Jets for NewYorkJets.com, and of course before that, spent 15 years covering the Jets for the Bergen record. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about the legacy of Darrell Revis and Joe Klecko with me. Really appreciate it. For everybody that wants to check out what you're doing over at NewYorkJets.com, what are you working on right now? Well, we finished um, stories on Revis and Klecko. The, I, I did the advances uh, a few days ago, and then I did the news stories, the follows from their speeches um, yesterday. Uh, right now, um, I don't have anything particularly in the works other than that we're going to be covering the heck out of the the uh, uh, joint practices with the Panthers uh, because they're going to do that for two days, I believe Wednesday and Thursday this week. And uh, then they're going to play the Panthers down in Carolina on a Saturday. I think it's afternoon game. So you got to check that one out. It's four o'clock maybe, but um, they're going to play the Panthers on Saturday and get, uh, you know, preseason game number two in Aaron Rodgers not going to play um, as, uh, as uh, Robert Sala said, uh, but Sala did leave the door open for uh, us to see a glimpse of Rodgers before the games count, which will be for the preseason finale at the Giants. So it'll be in uh, MetLife Stadium, but uh, the Jets will be the road team. Perhaps Aaron Rodgers will get a quarter or two series or whatever it is, and we'll get to see a little bit of that magic before uh, he gets to take the team uh, you know, for real on some kind of wild ride in the regular season. Hopefully that's the case in 2023. Hopefully the Jets are able to have a magical season in 2023. They've already begun the preseason. They've already had two of their players get into the Hall of Fame. So hopefully that's the start they need to begin the makings of a special season. Randy, thanks again for coming on. Make sure you check out everything Randy's doing over at NewYorkJets.com. Check out everything we've got going on at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel, including Jason Brownlee, who's been turning a lot of heads at New York Jets training camp. Is the hype warranted? Is Jason Brownlee a keeper? Watch his film from Southern Miss on our YouTube channel and decide for yourself. YouTube.com slash play like a jet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. We've got the play like a jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. <laughs>